Amen, amen. You may be seated. Hey, we want to worship this. Worship was awesome today. Thank you so much, worship team. And yeah, we Matt, welcome back, Matt Gideon. Matt, Matt's uh, joined us many times before. It's good to see you back, Matt. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to North Village Church. We're glad you're here, whether you're actually here or whether you're just you're here live stream. Great to have you, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook or however you're getting to us uh, today. My name is Keith Tooley. I'm the leadership development pastor here, and I'm going to try to pinch hit for Michael today, and it might even be a bunt if that's okay. So see how it turns out. But uh, hey, for those who got to attend breakfast in the park, was that awesome this morning? Met at Northwest District Park. Yeah. It's so nice to see so many faces. There are like 30 plus people that were there. And we haven't seen some of these people since, well, February. And so it was quite a reunion this morning. So we thank God for that. Now, uh, what we're going to be doing uh, this afternoon is we're going to be completing a, a sermon series we're doing on, well, the life of David. And we've been in First and Second Samuel the past several weeks, and Samuel's really good because it gives a lot of the events and details of David's life. But what we're going to be today is in Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 29, if you want to go there in your Bibles, or, or maybe you have your initiate devotional and you want to use that great tool but I love what chronicles is kind of like more of a fact this is what happened it's more like well it chronicles the life of David so uh, we're going to finish up his life in that book but before we do that I want to talk a little bit about the big picture I mean the really big picture and that's God's providence okay and providence is a is a huge huge word and uh, before we jump into that, I, so you can help track with me a little bit today. So whenever I teach, I tend to like just throw a ton of information at people. And I tend to like, I'm like a, a racehorse. I come out of the chute and I don't stop till I'm finished. And so I'm actually going to tell you up front what I'm going to be telling you right now. We're going to be talking about the providence of God, David's final prayer. And there's going to be three points in that. And then our Rise Up and Reach, this is our new building opportunity that we've been talking about for months. That's what we're going to do right now. So the word providence actually means foresight. And no one has foresight like our God. But it really means, it generally is used to denote uh, what God does in preserving and governing all of creation. All things. Okay? So I want you to listen carefully, or actually read it uh, on the screen. Uh, this definition from Baker's Evangelical Dictionary, this really expresses the fullness of this word providence. When looking at God's providence, God not only looks ahead and makes provision for his goals, but infallibly, without error, accomplishes what he sets out to do. And because it is God's governance that is in view, it encompasses everything in the universe from the creation of the world to its consummation inclusive of every aspect of human existence and destiny. Providence, then, is the sovereign, divine superintendence of all things, guiding them toward their divinely predetermined end in a way that is consistent with their created nature, all to the glory and praise of God. This divine and sovereign and benevolent control of all things by God is the underlying premise 
of everything that is taught in scriptures. Woo! I mean, that's, that's powerful, isn't it? Really powerful, because what this does, this is a heady, pretty heady definition, but what it does is it truly in, encompasses the essence of who our God is and this word providence. I also like that this really magnifies, the focus is it really magnifies and esteems who God is, that, that God has a plan and he's working out that plan. God's been revealing his plan and implementing his plan for thousands of years. And we know that uh, in the end, we know who wins. God wins. We win. If we know Jesus is our Lord and Savior, if we, if we believed in him and received him, and so, isn't it great that you're going to be on the winning, for those who have done that, isn't it great that you're going to be on the winning team for eternity? You ever thought about that? It's, it's better to be on the winning team. So, I love that this definition also ends with all of Scripture points to God's providence. So, whether you're reading in uh, Genesis or you're reading in Revelation, it all points to God's providence. So what we're going to do now is we're going we're gonna to move into to different ways that God shows us his providence through his covenants, okay? Let's start with the Abrahamic covenant. Our providential God chose Abraham to be the founding father of a nation. His, God's chosen people, and they, they would become the Israelites. And we know that God made these agreements with Abraham and he, this covenant, and he said, you know what, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars, and we have become that, haven't we? And, uh, and so God fulfilled his uh, covenant with Abraham, and uh, later on we see uh, that our, pro our providential God chooses Moses, uh, and he makes a covenant with Moses, and how does he use Moses? Well, to free the Israelites from slavery in, in Egypt for hundreds of years. That's a biggie. And he used Moses to, like, part the Red Sea, so... I think it was close to two million people could move through there. But, and uh, many other things that God did uh, through Moses and that covenant. And it was only a couple of months ago that Michael was doing a series on the life of Moses. And if you didn't catch that, I highly encourage you to go online and watch that. It's really good. And then we had the uh, Davidic covenant. And with the Davidic covenant, our providential God chose David to be king and empowered him to build this great nation, okay? Uh, David did a few, a few things that uh, God empowered him to do. He, he defeated Goliath in the Philistine army, and then he de defeated many armies under King Saul, and then he became the king of Israel, and he was able to conquer and rebuild the city of Jerusalem, and he was able to, to recover, the, restore the Ark uh, to Jerusalem, the Ark of the Covenant, and then he was able to reclaim uh, many of the territories in the country that were under pagan rule. Um, and then he was allowed to govern the people of Israel for 40 years as king. And he was also able to restore the tabernacle to the people. Because uh, David knew it was really important for the people to worship God. And make that part of their practice. So our providential God used these three great men, and, and he's used many, we would say great men and women, 
in the Bible to fulfill his plan. Would you agree? But Michael has pointed out the last several weeks, and I really appreciate that, is we tend to think of all these great people in the Bible, but who deserves all the glory? Who gets all the glory? It's our God. God is the entire focus of what's going on here uh, and what he's doing in the world. And so sometimes when we think about these great men and women of the Bible, they're actually, they're secondary because God actually empowered them to do the things that they did. Now, the last covenant that we're in is the new covenant. And this is a really, really great one because uh, this is where God sends his son Jesus to save the world. And, and John 3.16 kind of sums it up. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him, Jesus, will not perish, but have eternal life. And uh, I like that covenant. How about you guys? So this would be the ultimate covenant to end all covenants with Jesus Christ and what he did. He came and he died for our sins, and, uh, and then he was resurrected. So you're probably thinking, okay, Keith, why this sermon on God's providence? You know, why, why does this matter to me? Well, I've given this a lot of thought, and it matters because it, it really has a lot of gra gravitas. It, it matters because God gave us the Bible. He gave us his story because he really wanted us to have perspective, okay? Uh, God knows that history informs us, and it's really important to know our history as Christians. It also matters because uh, it gives, it's given every generation that's been upon the earth bearings, and we all need bearings. And so when you look at this great God of Abraham and Moses, the God of David, the God who would send his only son, it gives us perspective on how we as the children of God are now to respond in this time of this pandemic and whatever other challenges come our way. Because we really need to know the, the, the big things about God. One of those is the truth about God is that we know that he's got this. Right? We know that he's got this. And we know that he's going to sustain us. We know that he's going to empower us during this time. And this should bring, when you think about God being providential, and that we know all these things are true about God, what we should be thinking is, you know what? That makes me feel more secure. Um, I have less anxiety because I know this about God. And he's proven true for thousands of years. And so I hope this gives you maybe a base for peace in your heart that no matter what storm is going on in your life, we know this truth about God. In fact, we read in the New Testament in Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things, that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose, okay? Okay, for those of you who love God and you feel like you've been called to his purpose, like you're living out his purpose, this should be really reassuring to you, right? This should be really reassuring to all of us. Okay, that's my sermonette on God's providence. But I will tell you, that's, this is just a really good kickoff to the, the last few things that David is going to say before he leaves this earth, okay? So let's dive into 1 Chronicles 29, 6 through 20. 
Then the rulers of the fathers' households and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the commanders of thousands and of hundreds with the overseers over the king's work offered willingly and for the service for the house of God, they gave 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold and 10,000 talents of silver and 18,000 talents of brass and 100,000 talents of iron and whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in care of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart, and King David also rejoiced greatly. Okay? So this is the climax of David's reign. It's coming to an end. Okay? In fact, we know from long before this actually occurred that Solomon was going to be king and that Solomon was going to complete the building of the temple. So the people are gathering all these materials, these fine irons and metals, for the building of the temple in Jerusalem. And David's final purpose for this earth is he wants to make sure that the materials and the funding are going to be there uh, for this temple. And so not, not only does he give his fortune, his personal fortune, he calls the people to give generously. But this is not the first time that the Israelites had put their money together to build a temple. Who, who recalls it in the story of Moses where the people also gave to build the tabernacle? Okay, you can read about that in Exodus. So this was, they were going to build the temple. This is going to be where they could honor God and worship God. Well, think about this. This is a huge mass of very valuable materials. Okay, So one talent... That's a measure of weight. One talent is 70 to 75 pounds. Okay, so you can take any of these uh, 100,000 talents of iron. That's a lot of weight. That's a, that's a lot of material. And also, um, a talent, uh, one talent of silver was worth more than 15 years of wages. So, I mean, people were giving uh, just very uh, generously. And then what they do, since the people gave wholeheartedly, they rejoiced. Okay. Does this, does this story sound familiar? I mean, to those of you who call North Village Church home, this story should sound very familiar. Because let's fast forward from David's time thousands of years to right now to the present. And our church is living out this story. Okay. Isn't God's timing amazing? Okay, let me, let me put a little more emphasis on this. So our lead pastor, Michael Dennis, about 15 months ago, Michael gets away for, you know, three days, and he's praying and asking God, God, what is your direction for our church? You know, what does that look like? What scriptures, what will I be teaching on? God gave him this scripture 15 months ago that we're living out right now as a church. I, I just think that's amazing, you know? And... Um, so, um, in looking at that, um, I think that Michael, I've always really admired how close Michael is to God. I get to see him a lot, but, and see him in action, but I didn't realize he was so prophetic. Did you guys? I mean, this, this is pretty prophetic when you think about it. So, not getting the next graphic, but... 
rise up and reach. Here we go. So we know that this is what was taking place. Uh, so when you think about it, the, the, the church at that time, well, uh, the people, the Israelites, they're raising all this money and the materials to build their temple, to build their church. And we're doing the same thing. We are a homeless church right now. And, um, and that's why we're meeting here. And so uh, we've, we've found a place and, and we are uh, putting our funds together so that we can build out that space and it can become our temple. It can become our church. But we're not doing that just to have a place to worship. We're really doing this and we're looking at this location because it's, it has incredible visibility and we want to use it as a launch pad to reach the community. We want to reach the community with the life-transforming reality of Jesus Christ. And that's what makes it really exciting uh, to us. So anyway, I might need a drum roll. Sorry, guys, this clicker is not, not clicking for me, but, or it's clicking a little bit slower than, I, than I'm clicking, but I, saw, I heard a drum roll. I may need you guys to advance the slides for me. Okay, we are going to the total, or a slide. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. There it is, okay. Um, okay, I'm sorry, guys. Let's actually go back to the sermon slides. Ooh, Moran's supposed to do that. Okay. I'm really embarrassed. Okay, so... Guess what? We reached our goal. <laughs> Ron, you can talk more about that in a minute. Um, yeah. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So like the Israelites, you guys have given willingly and joyfully. And so thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness to, to support this. And, you know, we really do want to make an impact for God's kingdom. So... Um, and it's amazing, isn't it? God's timing, and it, it's just, just perfect. Well, let's get back to the scripture. Verse 9. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart, and King David also rejoiced greatly. So King David, he knew exactly what the people needed to do at this point. They needed to pray. The assembly needed to get on their knees right then and pray to God and praise him for what he had done. And you, what you're going to see in this very powerful prayer from David that we're about to go into is you're going to see all of the lessons that David has learned uh, through his life from, from all the time from being empowered to defeat Goliath, the 40 years, uh, the time that he ran from Saul and was just trying to keep his life to the 40 years that he would rule as king, um, you're gonna, David truly understood who God was because he had had so many different experiences of God. So there's really no one better to deliver this prayer to the, to the assembly than David, right? And also, this is a pivotal, uh, the providence of God, this is just a huge time. It's, it's a very pivotal time in the, uh, for the nation of Israel. And because you have kind of this uh, setting son, David, 
who had accomplished amazing things. And now you have this rising sun, his son Solomon. And uh, which would shine brighter? Uh, that's left to be, that's left to, I guess that would be everyone's different opinion because both of these men were used in astounding ways by God for the nation of Israel. This prayer also includes some of David's last official words, not only to the nation, but also to his son Solomon. So as we read through this prayer, we're going we're to see these points. These are the points of the prayer. David's going to praise God for who he is, for giving God all the glory, and then for God to direct their hearts to his so they can do his will. So this is the start of David's prayer. Okay. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord of God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. So we see the whole focus of these verses, these first three verses, is we praise God for who he is. We go back to the scripture. There we go. Sorry about this, guys. Um, let's, break these, let's break these attributes down a little bit. First of all, he says, blessed are you, O Lord, God of Israel. What, the, what this means is praise to you, God, that you are worthy to be praised. And then he says, our Father forever and ever. This is the first time the word Father is used for God in the Bible. And then later on, we know that Jesus would use the word Father for God. He'd be the first person to do that in the New Testament. And he says, forever and ever. Uh, this is a family union that is eternal. David understood that, that he was going to be, his, that God was going to be his father for eternity and the father of the people for eternity. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, power, glory, victory, majesty. These are, these are really big nouns, right? When you hear these words, what comes to mind for you about God? When you hear power and greatness and glory and majesty and victory, you know, these are, these are huge words. So when you, you might think about, well, he created the universe. That's, that's a pretty big one. How about when he parted the Red, the Red Sea so that the Israelites could get to the other side and escape the Egyptian army? How about that he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because those cities had become very evil? Or maybe it was when God gave the command and the walls of Jericho fell down. I think any of you could probably think of dozens and dozens, but guess what? There's thousands of things that you could apply to God when you look at these nouns, okay? Yours is the dominion. 
head over all, riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and your hand is power and might. You know, what comes to your mind when you think about these things? That, that God can just lay down low or rise up nations? That he can empower leaders or he can bring them down? That he's in perfect control of all things? He's sovereign? That God has the last word? On everything. David continues, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. So we know that Abraham and Moses and David, they, they couldn't really have done anything if they hadn't been empowered by God to do that, right? Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. You see a lot of thank you and praise and gratitude in the Bible because when you think about who we are as Christians and that the new covenant, that should just make us just be a people that, of gratitude, shouldn't it? Of what Jesus has already done for us. That, that's where we should rest in our base is that we're grateful people. And I, I think that's really powerful that, that, that David recognizes that. So what I love about this first part of this prayer is David is completely focused on God and God's attributes. I don't see David, any of David entering into this prayer. And uh, I know for me, uh, most of the time when I'm praying, I'm praying for Keith and Keith's stuff that pops up. And uh, one time I did this, I read this book, it's called Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozier. I don't know if you've read it before, but he was a great theologian. He wrote lots of books. But A.W. Tozier, uh, the whole book is focused on who God is and God's attributes. And when I was reading this book, it was so powerful. And uh, there was just a whole new freshness, and I saw God in a whole new light. And it opened up my heart and my mind to so many things, new things in my spiritual growth. Because I wasn't focusing on Keith, I was focusing on God. If you haven't ever done that before, I recommend it. It's, it's, it's well worth uh, doing that kind of study. So David's pr prayer continues. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you, and from your hand we have, given, have been given from you. For we, are, for we are sojourners before you and tenants as all, are our fathers were, our days on earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope. O oh Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have been provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from you, it is from your hand, and all is yours. Since I know, O oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in, in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy I have seen your people who are present here, make their offerings willingly to you. So the second part is God gets all the glory. Okay, David says, for all things come from you. All this abundance to build the temple is from your hand and all is yours. So all this abundance for rise up and reach is from your hand. It is yours. 
So also David recognized, because history has informed him as well, that this small, insignificant band of shepherds, you know, had become this great nation of Israel. He had seen how God had blessed the nation. And now the nation was ready to build just this exceptional temple for God in Jerusalem. Another part of this prayer is that it reinforces that everything we have is from God and it's on loan to us. So these bodies, our gifts and talents, the resources, the material goods, everything that we have is on loan from God for a short time. And we are supposed to use what God has on loan to us for his glory. And when I look at uh, really what's happening here, it really constitutes a confession of utter dependence on Yahweh, right? And because uh, it's all for his glory. Uh, there was also a parallel going on here that David could see. David could see that as, as God kept empowering him and he was re- raising in power and getting more and more power and, and able to do more, the nation of Israel was also benefiting from that. But David was quick to point to, this is not, we don't get to take credit for that. Uh, He makes it clear in this scripture, in this prayer, that the prosperity was not a result of their own merits, that it was all from God. Wouldn't it be really nice right now that you would see one of our leaders just step forward and say, you know, everything we have in America, it's from God. You know, it's, this, is, uh, this isn't us. We, we didn't build all this. God blessed our nation, and he has given us this incredible prosperity, even with COVID going on. We have incredible prosperity. We have incredible blessings here. And uh, I would love to see some of our leaders step up and talk about that and give credit where it's due. So David understands his place in the place of his people. He says, but who am I and who are my people that we should boast about ourselves? And, you know, what we've given for this little project over here, the temple. And, uh, no, he knows that God should receive the praise and the glory. So, you know, coming off Rise Up and Reach, we could be a people that says, hey, look at all this money we raised, and we could boast about that, couldn't we? I don't see that happening with our church family. Uh, My experience of you has been that when you boast, you boast about God. That's what I've seen. And I've seen that our, our body, our small church family, there's, there's such a spirit of, of both service and humility in our church. And it is so uh, such an honor to serve alongside of people, people that are so focused on that. They're focused on God and not themselves. And so that's a pat on the back, by the way. Uh, for, for our church family. And, and I not only see it, I, I see this in Michael, our lead pastor. I see this in our elders. I see this in our leaders. Um, everyone who serves our church and calls North Village Church home, this is what I see. And it's a beautiful thing. And there's, there's also unity. It's, uh, it's, we're like we're of one heart and one mind. And that's, you don't see this in a, in a lot of churches. So we're very thankful for that. And I see a congregation that's striving to put God first. You may be going, well, 
how do you know that, Keith? How do you know that about North Village Church? Well, I can tell you that because I talk to you, I pray with you, and the things that I hear coming is um, things such as, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about changing careers, uh, or uh, we're thinking about selling our house and moving, or hey, with COVID going on, we don't know how we're going to educate our children this fall, or we want to become better parents to our children. These are the things that I hear, and you're putting God in that conversation first. And that's how I know you put God first, because I taught, this is what you're doing first. You're saying, God, we're, we're starting to have talks about this. Would you come into this with us? So uh, anytime you have people that are, God's a big part of their conversation, you know you're, they're putting him first. And then there's kind of a solemn part of this prayer. All our days are like a shadow. There's no hope. See, I don't think this is a dark moment. I don't think David's casting this. This is a very positive prayer. I really think there's a, there's a very positive challenge here. What he's saying is we all know how fast, I can move here, my shadow goes away. We know how fast a shadow can move, can come and go away. Well, that's, this is what he's saying about life. It comes quickly and it goes quickly. But for the time that we're here, we need to bloom. We need to bloom where we're planted. And uh, when we're blooming, we're allowing people to see Jesus' face. We're getting he's, uh, able to see, and people are able to see and experience Jesus through us. And so I think that this scripture, this part of the scripture is that David's saying, hey, I want you to make the most of every opportunity. I want you to really bloom while you're here and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Let's continue with the prayer. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you and give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, and to do them all, and to build the temple for which I have made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. So from this part of the prayer, we get the third point from David. For God to direct their hearts to him so they can do his will. So David was praying that the hearts of the people would be devoted to God. And he prayed that first for the people of Israel and then secondly for his son. In fact, he said, God, I, want, would you, I just want to pray that Solomon would have a perfect heart. That's a tall order, isn't it? But David prayed this because David knows that we need God to do the will of God. Uh, we need God for our hearts to be able to be change and even, you know, be like God. So we really need God working in our hearts so that we can change, uh, so that the things of God will be important. And then we need God to be actively involved in our lives so that he can keep us on track to his mission here in the world that he wants us to be a part of. So what flows out of this, David knew that what flows out of this heart for God are our lives, okay? Okay. Uh, 
And you think about David. David was the heart guy, right? I mean, when you read the pages of Psalms, the Psalms, no one spilled their heart out like David did to God. Uh, anyone that's read songs know it gives you a whole nother uh, uh, dimension about what it means to just pour your heart out to God uh, as David did so transparently. And uh, so if anybody knows about that, it was David. But David also knows that since he's going to, since he's, he'll be gone, he's about to die, okay, that uh, this prayer is really important for the people because he wants them to stay on track. David knows that if the people uh, in, do the three things that he is praying to God that they will do, that good things will happen for Israel, that the right things will happen for Israel. Uh, the best things, uh, that uh, God's people would keep the, his commandments, his testimonies, and statutes. And uh, if they did this, uh, this brings God glory. Uh, and it's his chosen people reflecting his glory. And this, this is for us too. We want, we want to do these things out of a heart for God because it brings glory to God. And we want to reflect his glory. Is that something you've ever thought about? Man, I'm, I'm going to get up today, and when I go to work, I really want to reflect God's glory. Wouldn't that be amazing if we had that kind of heart set and mindset each day? So to summarize the message, this is what this prayer was all about. David was, wanted the people to praise God for who he is. He wanted them to give God all the glory and for God to direct their hearts to him so they can do his will. And we need, this, we need this prayer just as much today, right? We need to hear, we need for God to help direct our hearts to him so that we can do his will. Now, this response to rise up and reach, I, I, I believe that God is really pleased. We gave joyously, we gave willingly. And I, I think there's only one correct response to that. We, we need to pray, don't we? We need to praise God. And so I've asked uh, one of our elders, Risa Browning, uh, to come up. And uh, we're just going to ask for a David-sized prayer. Risa, can you, can you deliver that? No, it's a small task. You, know, you want to stand here? I'll pray. We'll see what kind of prayer it is, but we'll pray. So please bow your heads with me and close your eyes. And... Um, just like in the days of David and the nation of Israel, we here at North Village Church, God, we praise your name. We praise the name of our Lord Jesus Christ here this afternoon because you are so powerful. You're the creator of the universe, the earth, North Village Church, and each one of us. You rule it with all power and greatness, grace and kindness. You are the king above any so-called ruler on earth today and for all time. We thank you for your generosity. You have all strength and honor and skill and wisdom and riches and materials in your hand. You own it all, but you give to us abundantly. You give to us more than we need. You give to us more than we deserve. This is why we worship you. Out of your generosity to us, we have committed our talents, time, our spiritual gifts, our tithes and our offerings to you in service to you in North Village Church. All of the money we have and have committed for this new building comes from you. We are returning it to you, O oh Lord. You know our thoughts. 
You know that we have committed these things to you willingly, even joyfully. We watch now in, in anticipation of what you will do. And regardless of what happens, regardless of how our plans turn out, we know you are good. Please, God, continue to fill us with excitement, with anticipation for what you are doing in the greater Austin area and how a new place of worship can benefit our work. Please continue to strengthen our desire to carry out your mission in this time and place. Please encourage us by your spirit and the acknowledgement that we are just one part of the gospel mission that has been growing for thousands of years and will end with your son Jesus Christ on his throne on the earth. Please give us perseverance to play our part to accomplish our specific mission in North Village Church. May we not grow tired. May we not be guided by fear, but by our love for you and the boldness that you give to us. Thank you, God, for your word in 1 Chronicles 29. Lord God, please be with each of us until the next time we gather as a church family. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.